Hey everybody, welcome to the pre-roll for ELL 167, the most 167th podcast there is. Uh, yeah, you know what, at the top of the show, I want to tell you guys that while you are hiding inside of your hovels, a feared for the coronavirus and its pandemic rollout across the globe, you should be ordering from North Spokane Hemp Company. They will deliver it to your door nice and safe. Coronavirus free, I promise you. Anything you need as far as your CBD needs, guys. Your tinctures, uh, flowers, stuff for your pets, stuff for your back, stuff for whatever you need with CBD. Stuff to help you sleep. That's something we can all use. Especially if you're trying not to get sick. They say the less sleep you get, the more your immune system's compromised. So make sure you take care of it. And if you go to NorthSpokaneCBD.com and using the promo code LIONS, you get 15% off. What's not to love? Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Welcome back, everybody, to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 167. You can find the show notes for today's episode at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL167. And I'd be remiss if I didn't start the show with a little corrections and retractions because in my exuberance to point out the flaws in the system and tell my story of going to the voting booths and dealing with all the assholes and idiots that were surrounding me, I did, in fact, misspeak. A Biden-esque. I was called out in our Lions of Liberty forum. It might have even been, I think it might have been the Lions of Liberty Pride, our uh, our group that is only for our Patreon supporters, in which I, uh, I try to be far more active in than our regular Facebook group. But still, we have about 4,000-some members in our Facebook group. If you go to Facebook.com, just type in Lions of Liberty forum. Tell us where you heard about the show so we make sure that you're not some jag-off trying to sneak in and sell us Nigerian princely goods, uh, you know, and tell them Brian sent you. But you can join that. Anyway, I was called out, rightly, for a Biden-esque numbers gaffe, you know, like uh, 150 million people were killed by gunfire type of gaffe. Because what had happened is I went through the voting selections on this, you know, SB 13, to uh, which actually, <sighs> shocking, SB 13 was rejected by California voters. I could not believe it. And this was the one that was supposed to take 15 billion more dollars, raise taxes, take 15 more billion dollars and put it towards fixing up schools, you know, asbestos and whatever else, stuff that you figured would have been taken care of decades ago, even though California had a $22 billion surplus. I had said that LAUSD had a $22 billion surplus. Not true. California has a $22 billion surplus. LAUSD only had a pittance of $500 million in surplus, which again, as I explained, though, will all disappear because all of the pensions and all of the, uh, the other teacher and union negotiated goodies would be coming due. So anyway, apologies for that, guys. It does really piss me off when I make a mistake like that. I know I sound frivolous and free going on the show, but I do get very annoyed when I make a simple error. And apparently that makes me better than Joe Biden. <laughs> he does not seem to care. And even this week, Joe Biden just got into an argument with a, I think it was like a steel worker or something like, some sort of uh, industrial worker at a, uh, a Michigan plant where he was going to speak because obviously he's trying to win over voters in Michigan. And today, I believe, is mini Tuesday. So Michigan voters are going to the polls. 
Joe Biden's trying to win over these people. And obviously, union cronyism is uh, the highlight of the day. However, there's all these blue-collar workers. They tend to like their guns. And a gentleman had called Joe Biden out. I was trying to pull the audio, but it was just, it's just too messy. It's too loud. It's too hard to hear. But essentially, a worker called Joe Biden out and saying, hey, you know, you're going to take away our guns. And Joe Biden just started yelling at the guy as he does because Joe Biden cannot handle being challenged in public. And his only we the only way he knows how to handle it is to scream at people. And uh, you saw this with a reporter where he's like, why, 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 why? You saw this with another guy where you called the the dog paced faced a pony soldier to a woman who brought up a you know, whatever, going to events and why he shouldn't be supported or something like that. You know, this is weeks ago when he called that one one guy fat. <laughs> it's just, Joe Biden is, for a guy that considers himself to be a fighter, all he turns into is a guy that freaks out like a woman at the store when she finds out her coupons aren't good anymore, just completely loses his goddamn mind and goes on the attack. But the problem is, much like the woman who has coupons at the store that are expired, he's factually inaccurate. And the most recent example is he's arguing this steelworker, wherever he might be, and he's talking about how you don't need an AR-14. Of course, the AR-14 is not an existent gun. It's never existed. It will not exist in our lifetime unless somebody makes a mockery of Joe Biden and creates an AR-14 just so Joe Biden can then restrict it. Now, maybe he was confusing it with the M14, which is a rifle that has been around since, God, I don't even know, like since 1950s and is still in some selective service today, which is pretty amazing, considering that some people have called it the worst military rifle ever designed or created. It had all sorts of problems, according to a lot of articles I read on it. Just uh, it was a bitch to produce. It was horrible to uh, to carry around. Um I guess it was like, I guess some people liked it better than M6Ks are in Vietnam, but uh, I don't know. It's just like inaccurate as hell. <laughs> anyway, I guess really you had to use it to know for sure. But uh, either way, maybe that's what Joe Biden was talking about. If I'm going to give him some sort of excuse. Either way, it's just one more gaffe in a long line of gaffes. And We'll see what Little Tuesday brings us, guys. I'm going to wait again. I'm going to record most of this in advance and then see if I can tack on a little late night update to our Super Tuesday or Mini Tuesday voting because as it might shake out, Bernie Sanders may be on the ropes and I'm I'm really shocked by this. I thought Bernie was easily going to run away with it. I thought that um, people were going to be perturbed by Joe Biden's performances in the debates, how he just doesn't seem to have it together. His bloody eyeball exploding in his head during uh, the global town hall or whatever CNN was hosting. But perhaps people are turning away, especially as we get out of the most leftist cities and states. Well, we're seeing a total repudiation of a repudiation, excuse me, of socialism, of Medicare for all. Uh, and it's interesting because we're seeing this in the wake of the media trying to tell us that we're all going to die from coronavirus. And as I talked about last show, you know, Dr. Drew's still out there and us and, and any responsible doctor out there is telling people, look, this is affecting people that are 80 years old. This is affecting people uh, predominantly that have already compromised immune systems. There's nothing to worry about. 
But even as this is going on, we're seeing states of emergency being declared in brand new places. Like I think Massachusetts just declared a state of emergency with under 100 cases in the state as though this is a pandemic that makes your asshole shoot blood all over the walls. When clearly that's not the case. The only thing that does that is a virus that I have designed myself or possibly what I made myself in Chile this past week, which really, woo, got me going. Regardless, you're seeing a unbelievably ridiculous reaction pushed forward by the media. And of course, the government doesn't want to stop this, this train and rolling because all it does is give government more power. It gives government more reason to appropriate more money and push it towards this or that. And it's funny because the Democrats have been saying that, like Joe Biden, again, another Joe Biden nonsense statement. Joe Biden had accused Donald Trump and the Trump uh, regime of cutting down money that the Obama administration put towards the CDC and all, you know, some other preventative healthcare measures. Turns out none of that happened. You know, the whatever the National Disease uh, Health Foundation, whatever it might be, none of the cuts were made to them. In fact, the only thing that was tangentially associated was that Donald Trump said he'd like to make cuts to that. They never happened. It was in a proposed budget that never got through. And so at the end of the day, nothing's changed. Absolutely nothing's changed. He hasn't gutted anything. They still have the same number of workers. They still have the same number of completely irrelevant, unuseful, ineffective jerk-offs that are government-sponsored and government-paid sitting out there and telling you that the world's ending, deciding where we're going to quarantine people for what amounts to something slightly worse than a common cold. And what's terrifying about this to me is that we're seeing all of these closures. We're seeing all of this panic, events being canceled, economic ramifications, the stock market fluctuating up and down, the Fed lowering the rates of interest, and and all sorts of, you know, now Trump's talking about a stimulus being pushed through to, to get people on track in the economy. This is madness. This is government-sponsored madness going on. So on one hand, you've got the government saying, okay, well, here's all the things that we have to do. We're going to declare a state of emergency. We're going to quarantine people in their houses. We're going to close the borders. We're going to tell people, you know, we're going to stimulate the economy. And in the meantime, we have the opposite side, the private uh, enterprise, the doctors of the world that are just saying, look, this isn't even a big deal. So it makes you wonder what would happen if we did have a big deal. What powers would the government enact to take care of that? If they'll take these steps because of this goddamn extra special flu bug, what's the next thing that they're going to do? I mean, it's just an excuse to keep pushing farther and farther and farther without any pumping of the brakes whatsoever. I've never seen this level of panic and overreaction in my goddamn life to something like this. And we're talking about an age in which there was, I mean, far worse things. The AIDS epidemic was far worse than this. We didn't have any closed borders. We didn't have people getting tested all the time and stopping in this Gestapo fashion. We didn't have entire events closing down. San Francisco didn't close down at the height of the AIDS epidemic. I mean, Christ. And yet, in this globalized world we have now, right, where information is traveling all over at the speed of light, where we've got people panicking at the goddamn speed of light, encouraged to do so by government, even though... Oddly enough, YouTube censoring coronavirus content. WhatsApp censoring coronavirus-related content. So 
We're not only seeing that the government's helping to push this panic, they're quelling people's liberties and taking a great joy in doing it, but they're also controlling the flow of information. Just like I talked about in my fucking bar talk last week, which you go back and listen to if you haven't yet, but just like I talked about there, states lie to you. They can't be trusted to tell the truth. They can't be trusted to, to responsibly manage any situations to begin with. So why do we want to give them more authority when these things happen? It is crazy. And by virtue of that, and you'll hear this, I, I had Joe Prano and, uh, and Andy Ruther on doing a little preamble podcast where we also talk about the coronavirus. So I'll stop here talking about it because we talked about it on that show, which will air, because uh, I didn't want to record one on uh, St. Patty's Day night because that would just been total shit show. But Joe was conjecturing and asking me about how it's just coincidental that these things seem to crop up, right? Every few years, these, these government pandemics crop up or there's a new something to fear. Well, what's to say that the government isn't going to lie to us about what we have to fear moving on? I mean, what's to say that the next epidemic is completely government made up and it doesn't exist in the first place, but they just need to crack down on us for X, Y, and Z reason. So they just tell us that there's some global pandemic. Let me look around you. I don't see it in me. I mean, it could be happening. It's not zombies taking over and running through the street. It's people getting the sniffles. How the fuck do I know if this is the pandemic that I've been promised or if it's just a guy who happens to have the seasonal flu? I don't trust the goddamn government to tell me which one it is. But I'll tell you this. I'll be furious if any of my local governments decide that they're going to cancel St. Patty's Day just like they did in Ireland. They canceled St. Paddy's Day events in Ireland. In Ireland. St. Paddy's Day events. Canceled. That alone is enough to make me say anarchy forever. <laughs> Don't fuck with my drinking, government. Just ridiculous. Oh, and one other thing, too, I want to talk about when we're keying on the government's lying to us about things. So reports from a South Korean... Uh, information wing that reports in North Korea, or they pull their information about North Korea, 200 North Korean soldiers have reportedly died from coronavirus while thousands more are in quarantine. And of course, North Korea says that they have zero cases of coronavirus. Now, again, pointing to an authoritarian dictatorship that is running the country, uh, you know, as people would like to see done here, because God knows you have to do that type of thing with the pandemic, is anyone surprised by this development? Is there any shock that an organization is lying about this, that they're not reporting the facts and the figures, and that they're denying the existence of something like this to protect the optics involved? So again, going back to my bar talk, governments lie. We're seeing it happen here. And naturally, because North Korea is a socialist slash communist dictatorship, they don't have the infrastructure to deal with it because the free market provides that type of thing. Provides solutions, provides uh, supplies in case of shortages, provides uh, ample opportunity to trade for the things that you need, where in North Korea, well, you're just going to see a lot of dead people there. Because North Korea is one of the very few situations where a virus like this can turn into a plague proportion type event. Switching topics... Uh, we avoided another plague-like event, which would be Elizabeth Warren actually becoming president of the United States and enacting all sorts of ill-thought-out, completely economically unworkable, quote-unquote, plans in the name of placating the woke left. As Elizabeth Warren has officially dropped out of the race 
And I could not be happier, although I am very, very surprised by it. I mean, I really thought that the Democratic establishment would have propped her up. Now, maybe there's things that I don't know. Maybe they knew the support for Biden was stronger than it was perceived to be at the time. I mean, I really thought that Bernie Sanders, as I mentioned, was going to run away with it. And we will come back to the uh, the results of Little Tuesday or whatever you want to call it. But I swear to God, I really thought that they were going to keep her in as a sort of insurance policy against Bernie Sanders to say, OK, if we have her drop out, everybody's going to flock to Bernie. Uh, you know, all of those leftists that want universal this and that, all of the people that have uh, absolutely no understanding of how economics work, how deficits work, the impact that this will have on uh, the basic necessities of life. Well, they'll fly over to his side and then he'll be able to roll on into the uh, at least into the head on with Trump, if not the actual White House. But here we are. Elizabeth Warren has dropped out, uh, apparently, to go back, go go beg to Harvard. And maybe, you know, in truth, maybe she'll become even more in demand over in Harvard now because she was touted as Harvard Law's first tenured woman of color. And now she can be the first formerly tenured woman that was formerly uh, a person of color at Harvard Law, that's double formalies and double firsts. Because who else has ever hired a person that was formerly a Native American? I mean, really, once you're a thing, it's hard to not be that thing, especially when it's biologically based. Well, that could get me in trouble. <laughs> at least you can still say that in regards to race. But if you're talking about genetics and race uh, records, well, hey, I guess Elizabeth Warren's the first person to claim that she is formerly Native American, and Harvard might just take interest in that. Anyway, getting back to her dropping out of the race, though, it's it's interesting to see uh, and refreshing to see that somebody can't just go out there and literally promise the moon and the stars without any way of backing it up. And then when they do back it up, especially hilarious concerning that she ran on a platform of I have a plan for everything, right? I'm Elizabeth Warren, and... She came from a background of supposedly being capitalist, supposedly being fiscally responsible, supposedly having some understanding of the interactions between different parts of the economy, the way that uh, supply and demand may work. Clearly, all of that was smoke and mirrors or perhaps was just inherited. Uh, I don't even know. It's like people give everybody in government some sort of moniker that they are a professional expert in whatever field they happen to be slotted into in the government. And half the time, like we see with all these Senate oversight committees, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. I mean, for Christ's sakes, Maxine Waters sits on like one of the higher economic uh, Senate committees. Actually, let me look it up real quick. Oh God, it's even worse than you would ever imagine. Maxine Waters, again, one of the dumbest people that has ever, ever been in government, currently oversees the work of the Federal Reserve, the United States Department of the Treasury, and the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, and other financial services regulators. Yes, she chairs, chairs the Financial Services Committee. How does that happen? How does it happen? Because it doesn't have, it doesn't mean these people know anything about it. It just means that they want to bitch about it and depends on who's got the power in the Senate. So that's fascinating to see, you know, uh, Elizabeth Warren, again, rolls out there, promises Medicaid and Medicare for all, promises college tuition for all, promises uh, forgiving all college debt. Now, Bernie's promising some of these things, too, but not to the extent 
that a Elizabeth Warren was. And also, Bernie hasn't, you know, some of Bernie's plans are out there. They're still ridiculous. They're still insane. They still are going to completely economically cripple the country and raise everybody's taxes above and beyond. But Elizabeth Warren's plans were not only impossible to enact, but she gave explanations for how they would be enacted that were even more ridiculous. I mean, the wealth tax she enacted or she planned to enact, which I don't even think would have stood up to constitutional scrutiny, but would have required some sort of incredibly highly trained army of IRS, super IRS agents that would have had to essentially been investigators into every single billionaire's transactions, into where they put their money, into how their assets were divided up, into what was liquid, into what was uh, company assets, into what was property assets, figure out what that all adds up to in a wealth tax. It just was insane to even propose. And as I discussed back when she threw this out there the first time, why would these people sit around and allow that to happen? Now, of course, Elizabeth Warren was also planning on trapping them in and making sure that they couldn't pull their money out of the United States, but there's ways around that too. So all these billionaires that she plans on sticking it to in order to pay for, what, a tenth of every other program she's proposed on the table, the trillions of dollars that she's proposing? Meanwhile, you add up all of the billionaires' wealth, it still doesn't even come to anywhere near, you know, the $30 trillion that her healthcare plan alone would have cost. But all these people just would have left. They would have fled just like France did when they put a wealth tax into place. All of their wealthy simply left. That's what happens. No one's going to stick around and put up with this shit. So her plans fell apart under the lightest scrutiny. As did Elizabeth Warren, who simply brushed things off as, oh, GOP talking points. Those are Republican talking points. You know, if you actually try to look into anything having to do with my policy matters. But not only that, she just was incredibly unlikable. I mean, I mentioned on our or this last podcast talking about the debates and my wife was just watching, hating every minute of Elizabeth Warren, as was I. I mean, the, the sooner she got out of my sight, the better, because everything she did, it was just like, it was like being bitched at by a just a nasty old neighbor. You know, somebody that no matter what you do, they have a problem with it. Well, you're not doing it exactly the way I want it to be done. Oh, well, you know, as in this and that, and I do it this way. If you don't do it this way, then I'm going to call the, the police on you. She just came across as a just a, a scolding old bitch. But she tried to adopt all the wokest policy matters that you could. So she's a pandering, a, like aggravating old bitch. And that just doesn't resonate with anybody except they said the, the top, it, basically what she pulled well with was college-educated, uber-left woke people. That was it. So people coming out of Washington University, people coming out of Berkeley, people coming out of NYU, and probably some jerk-offs coming out of local schools here in California. Otherwise, not really going to appeal to a lot of people. So I'm super excited to say goodbye to Elizabeth Warren. Uh, I hope that she hits with a thud and never gets another career in, in government, never gets elected to another public office ever again. Although, well, you know, actually, that might come to fruition because her performance in Super Tuesday was so pathetic. I mean, she finished third in her own state. So that tells you just how unlikable the woman is. The people that elected her the first time around took a look at her and went, oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. So it goes to show you, by selling out your basic principles, 
clearly she alienated all of the people that put her in there in the first place because they saw what she became. They saw the lies laid bare, the Pocahontas thing, the Native American heritage thing laid out there. They saw her abandon all the principles, everything that she, she ran on the first time and just adopt this ultra leftist, everybody gets everything for quote unquote free attitude, which for anybody with a minimal of a pragmatic point of view simply doesn't add up. Other things that don't add up with Elizabeth Warren the fact that so many different allegations are coming from feminists and are coming from different uh, left-leaning publications suggesting that somehow sexism had to do with Elizabeth Warren failing out of this race. I mean, this is just grabbing at straws. It's like, you know, just look in the mirror at the candidate that you're supporting. See the flaws that are so obvious to everyone else that's not drinking the Kool-Aid. And it's clear that sexism has nothing to do with this. The fact of the matter remains that Elizabeth Warren was polling pretty damn high until she started actually being forced to go into her plans and what they meant and how they'd be paid for. What are you backing up the rhetoric that she was throwing out there? Explain to me how sexism has anything to do with that. She dropped like a stone. It didn't help either that she went on the attack versus Bernie Sanders and tried to play the victim card and tried to play up the sexism aspect of it. I mean, how about that for irony? Elizabeth Warren's numbers started tanking steeply after she accused Bernie Sanders of himself being a sexist. Now, if sexism was the case here, why would so many people abandon that ship after she called out the sexism apparent? You'd think more people would say, oh, well, you know what? If sexism is at hand here, well, then I need to double down and support Elizabeth Warren. I need to abandon my support for Bernie Sanders. Or maybe say, if the women are involved out there, right? Because women support candidates too. It's not just men. And by the way, if to begin with, if men were as a whole not supporting Elizabeth Warren, how did her numbers get so high? So clearly what happened to me here, she starts throwing around these allegations, men and women both abandoned ship because they know this is just pandering and she's done it all campaign. She goes whatever needs, whatever's going to get her ahead. She views that as ample fodder for it. So an, uh, you know, an allegation against Bernie Sanders, it seems to be based in nonsense or maybe an off the cuff comment using that on stage in a clearly choreographed manner to try to make him look terrible. People see that they see she's a nasty person. that will do anything to get ahead and they don't want to support it. Sexism, nothing to do with it. Were it true, if it rang in any any possible way true, you would have had women say, I need to go and support this chick. She's obviously right. Bernie Sanders is an evil person. That didn't happen. En masse, people fled from this person. That's not sexism. That's bad optics. That's bad messaging. That's bad campaign strategy. That's illy, <laughs> illy advised issuance of plans that are based in nonsense and fairy tales and making them very publicly available so people can pick them to pieces and then talk about it and then refusing to defend it when you're on stage instead falling back on platitudes and falling back on uh you know defense mechanisms that would label the questioner as some sort of pawn in the GOP's mighty game again it's not sexism it's just stupidity but much like Hillary Clinton can't seem to accept that she fucked up her chance at becoming president by running one of the most unlikable, uh, worst design campaigns I've ever seen run and losing to a guy who was disliked so heavily by a majority of the country. And, and let's not forget, Hillary Clinton also won the majority of the uh, the popular vote, right? Again, sexism, just like they say, racism is rampant after Barack Obama in eight years. Elizabeth Clinton, or <laughs> excuse me, Hillary Clinton 
won the popular vote. Where did all that support go? If sexism is the real driver here that's costing Elizabeth Warren election. That's just so goddamn stupid. So adios, Elizabeth. Back to the reservation with you. Good riddance and good luck. All right, let's take a quick second to hear about our buddies over at Good Morning Liberty. Yes, Good Morning Liberty is the podcast that I want to tell you about right here, guys. So Nate and Charlie, you might have heard John and I, we were on there a couple weeks ago, and uh, I highly recommend you do check us out on there, talking about our liberty slang and ways. But Nate and Charlie over at Good Morning Liberty are two gentlemen that have taken on the onus of trying to change people's minds about how people view libertarians. They're trying to lead with a compassion-first message, looking at the ways in which policies impact people and trying to find a libertarian way to compassionately provide solutions. So, you know, I might come across as a little caustic. You know, maybe I'm a little, a little too aggressive, a little too laughable. However, I made that same point myself that we do need to come from a place of here's a solution. We do care about you. We both have the same goal in mind here, which is helping the most people. And they've tried to do that. Uh, interestingly enough, they actually both have a healthcare background. They own a healthcare IT company. And uh, so get into some weeds as far as dedicated discussions about the healthcare industry. Either way, go check it out. They are every day of the week. So if you're jonesing for a Liberty Fix between our episodes, you went to make sure to go into your podcasting app or catching app, check out Good Morning Liberty. They're available all over the place or visit lol.gmlpodcast.com and uh, you can go from there. So what are you waiting for? Do it already! All right, coming back into things, it's kind of interesting. Randy Pants, hashtag Randy Pants, Rand Paul has used his influence on Donald Trump for the sake of trying to push back on the reauthorization of the USA Freedom Act, which is set to expire. Now, the USA Freedom Act, if you don't know what it is, is one of those hilariously named bills, which is dedicated to trying to convince you that Instead of taking away your liberties, instead of uh, blatantly violating your constitutional rights, uh, for example, instead of protecting your right to a trial by, uh, by jury or a, an open and fair political or judicial system, we instead get FISA courts, we instead get government spying programs to illegally collect our data, that sort of thing. And that's what the USA Freedom Act put into place. It replaced the Patriot Act. Ted Cruz led the charge. Again, Ted Cruz, who some people thought was libertarian at one point in time, they are hilariously and tragically wrong. But Rand Paul is really pushing on this, and he's got some allies. Uh, he's got uh, a couple of Democrats behind him. He's got a couple of Republicans behind him to try to get rid of some of the more egregious violations. Now, hopefully, they can get rid of the the program that is the, uh, the one that Edward Snowden had exposed, which is collecting the phone records. Again, this was something that $100 million later and millions and millions and millions of, of Americans' privacies violated had led to exactly zero arrest, zero terrorist operations stopped. And they and this is like open testimony in front of Congress. It's not like they can deny it. Openly have said this netted us nothing. Now, not only that, though, but we also, as we said, talk about the FISA applications. The judges in the court at the FISA system 
They say that they're outraged at the violations that took place. They were outraged at the lies that got pushed through by the FBI in order to get the warrants. Now, that's all well and good, right? They're going to give lip service to the fact that it's, uh, the, the system's clearly broken, that things have been violated. However, to think that they're ever going to rein in those FISA courts seems a little bit too, too good to be true. Now, Rand Paul's pushing for it, but especially considering that we're still in all of these other countries, there's still all of these, quote, anti-terror operations going on. I can't see that taking any steps forward. And now we're still also in the grip of the madness of allegations of collusion, of allegations of Russian meddling, of Russian influence. I don't see this, this FISA situation being remedied anytime in the near future. If I'm being perfectly honest, I know Rand Paul is fighting for it, but I just can't see it happen. The one thing I do think might actually happen, though, is putting in a little bit of more protection as far as disallowing the government to to openly net all of these millions of uh, telephone recordings to have that ability. That, I think, might get pushed through. We have a failed program. It's there for everyone to see. We've got clear violations of the Constitution there for everybody to see. You had a public relations disaster under Obama where everyone knows about the program. They say they've officially stopped doing it, although it's still authorized to be used under the USA Freedom Act. I know both sides are pushing to end this thing. There might be some of the hawkish sides uh, from the Republicans that want to still defend it, but I think the Democrats are pretty solidly behind ending this, uh, this program. So that should be a win. Now, the question is going to be, though, and this is what Rand Paul wants, he wants individual votes on some of these measures because he said that as a whole, he's going to vote against any sort of authorization package and that as of right now, in truth, Doug Collins, another uh, Republican from Georgia, said that there are not enough votes in the Democratic-controlled Congress to reauthorize the USA Freedom Act. So it looks like you might be able to push through some reforms, right? Get that done, pass it up to the Senate, and then hopefully Rand Paul can do a little bit more work in there. Because while the Democrats may not be as focused on the FISA stuff, especially considering that it's now become a political game for them where all that does is draw more attention to the nonsense of impeachment that has been a black eye and a political loser for them this entire time. And it really harkens back to how the Obama administration authorized these FISA violations using these FBI lies to spy on Donald Trump's campaign. They probably will go forward, take out the authorization for the spying apparatus that's netting all the phone call records. And then Rand Paul and other Republicans in the Senate can use their leverage and their control of that to target the FISA stuff. Now, what do I know? Maybe the lobbyists will get through and decide that no changes are going to be made. And Rand Paul will just once again bang his head against the wall. But there's more hope for this type of thing and reforms as far as the security state and the spying state to be reined in than I've seen in the past. And there's a lot more discussion about it. And I give Rand Paul a lot of credit for getting Trump's ear because Trump has also said that he does not want to reauthorize this bill without some heavy reforms being made. Clearly, his experience with the FISA courts has something to do with that. But I'd like to think that Rand Paul has convinced him as well that the broader spying apparatus needs to be checked. So good job, Rand Paul. All right. Last thing before I circle back on Super Tuesday stuff, gonna eat a little pizza with the wife and uh, shake my baby, you know, <laughs> take a little break. Um, Bernie Sanders. Predictably, 
and in a Fox News town hall nonetheless, has fallen back on the old trope that all the socialists love to talk about, that socialism has never really been tried before. Yes, it was only a matter of time, but when asked to defend, well, you know what, why am I telling you about it? Here, let me just play the clip for you. All right, let's go to Margaret, uh, who is in the audience. Margaret? Hi, Margaret. Hi, Senator. As someone from Russia, a country that was greatly impacted by the negative effects of socialism, what assurances can you offer myself and other people impacted by socialism that democratic socialism will not have the same results? Good. Thank you for the question, Martha. Martha? Margaret. Margaret. Okay. Um, what happened and existed in the Soviet Union was not socialism. It was authoritarian communism. And communism, whether in Cuba, uh, whether in the Soviet Union, whether in other countries, was mocked by totalitarianism, was mocked by throwing millions of people into the gulag. Uh, Stalinism was about as bad as it, as it got. Uh, but right near, you're from Russia. I don't know if you've ever visited Finland. Is Finland, uh, Finland is a neighbor to Russia. They have a very democratic society with strong democratic socialist principles. Everybody in Finland has health care as a right. Their educational system is perhaps the best in the world, and college there is free. They take environmental responsibility uh, very, very seriously. They have one of the lowest rates of childhood poverty in the industrialized world. And you know what? Their voting rate, people who participate in their elections, is a lot higher than it is in the United States. So when we talk about democratic socialism, uh, Margaret, I'm talking about Finland, I'm talking about Denmark, I'm talking about Sweden, I'm talking about countries all over the world who have used their government to try to improve life for working families, not just the people on top. So there you go. Now, Bernie Sanders, by the way, highlights his ignorance as to a lot of what's going on in these civilizations that he points to as uh, beacons of light for social Democrats or democratic socialism. Number one, Finland does have health care for all of its citizens, but it turns out, oh yeah, last year their government collapsed. Why did it collapse? Well, it collapsed because of failed health care reforms. The prime minister, I'm going to mess up his name, Jua Sipia, he resigned. Why did he resign? Because their health care system is collapsing on itself. Why? Because of an aging population that is overwhelming the social healthcare system they have in place. Now, Finland is at least, it's kind of different than a lot of the, like the NHS in England, for example, because it has more of a decentralized system of social and healthcare programs where local uh, municipalities take over a lot of the administration of these programs. So the problem was that there's widespread uh, variations in available healthcare, but you would presume that. Because much like any nation, and, and let's not forget, Finland is tiny, a tiny homogenous nation full of people that have roughly the same background, the same shared, shared culture, the same shared heritage, uh, the same cultural priorities, and a shared emphasis on education and uh, etc. Anyway, point being, 
they have these these variations because it's not all going to be Helsinki. It's going to be in smaller communities as well, little fishing villages, etc., wherein you're not going to have all the access to the greatest healthcare. This just makes simple logical sense, and it would make zero economic sense to start rolling out and putting giant goddamn hospitals in the middle of nowhere and assigning doctors to sit there and rot for no reason for the sake of quote-unquote equality. Now, the right-leaning people in Finland had argued that there needs to be more privatization of healthcare, so that way the services could be uh, could be pulled in as needed for the aging population. Wouldn't have to tax the already very high tax rate that Finland has to provide all these services. But of course, everybody on the left and the green parties pushed back because they can't have that, and it ended up collapsing the government. They couldn't find the healthcare reform didn't solve any of the problems, so they were just in stasis. Now, that was back in, let's see, April of 2019. So that goes to show you, Bernie Sanders doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about when he repeatedly points to these systems. He's been reprimanded already, It's and it's interesting, you'll see he didn't bring up uh, his favorite one, which of course over the long term was Denmark, because he kept getting reprimanded by Denmark saying, you're wrong, we don't have a system, we have a very mixed economy and actually is very heavy on deregulating and the economic freedom to keep in place. That's why they can have these high tax rates and all of these systems had been rolling back their welfare programs, Sweden being one of them. And of course, Finland now we're seeing may be forced to do the same because as your population gets older, the reforms you put into place back when, when things were wonderful and uh, and it was easy to do before populations grew and aged and the healthcare system was able to have them live longer. Well, you see, as they do live longer, these things don't work anymore. And yes, Bernie Sanders talks about education in Finland. Uh, they still are ranked very highly. In fact, they were number one as far as the ed education system. But you can't just say, oh, that's because of their social democratic system of, uh, of education. We have publicly funded healthcare here, or not healthcare, pardon me, publicly funded education here. K through 12, our school system sucks. In fact, the more it got nationalized, the more it sucked. It's been going steadily downhill. So what's the difference? Well, let me tell you, again, Finland's tiny. They have an educated populace in a very small country with a shared cultural language and a shared cultural heritage and shared cultural aims and goals. That makes it a lot easier to have an education system that comes into play because you don't have people coming in, speaking 15 different languages, coming in and, uh, and having vastly different economic backgrounds. Sure, is there disparity in Finland? Of course there is. But... It's not to the extremes that you might have here. You might not have the cultural extremes that you have here, just as far as people that speak the same language here have vastly different cultures. They have vastly different uh, emphasis on education versus, I don't know, getting out into the workplace and quitting school. I mean, God, there's so many cultures here you could point to in America that de-emphasize education, that have dropout rates that are astounding, that don't put any value on going to school, let alone getting good grades going to a secondary school. So it's just idiotic to compare these things. It's literally comparing apples and oranges. They couldn't be farther apart. And do they have college paid for for everyone? Yes, they do. They tax you an exceptionally high rate for that, but they do provide that. Of course, they're also providing it to a much, much smaller portion of the population. And people that opt to go to college, I think it's something like 66%, are opting to go into that field, whereas there's no 
uh, shame in simply going into a fishing industry, which is why they also take care of their ecology there. Because when you have 40% of your population based around this, uh, this small country that really relies on the ocean and fishing and elking and whatever else they're doing over there, you tend to emphasize keeping your ecology in check. Again, not to compare the United States and Finland too heavily because it does not make sense to do so. Bernie Sanders doesn't quite understand that. But getting back to the main point here, Bernie Sanders, once again, tiptoes around the fact that socialism has failed time and time again. And all the imbeciles in the crowd that cheered him on when he said socialism hasn't been tried, and then he's comparing it to Stalinism, he's comparing it to communism. These people are a symptom of our education system as run by the government, by, by the way. And our secondary education system run by the uh, the leftists who have infiltrated every level of universities as per the plan that was laid out, I think, in one of the one of the uh, like postmodernistic uh, Marxist handbooks basically spelled out. This is how we're going to take control of the population. We are going to get in the universities. We're going to co-opt the education system and we're going to force these values in and brainwash the youth. Clearly, it started to work. But to say that. What happened in Russia was a communistic version of socialism. Fine. Well, that might be true. It doesn't excuse every other time democratic socialism, like what happened in Venezuela, has been tried or any of the other instances of socialism run amok. And Bernie Sanders seems to think that somehow with Bernie Sanders in charge, we're going to do better. Because the Bernie Sanders is one of the things, there's no way that anybody that is, uh, that is corrupt or ill will or has ill intent would get in and take advantage of government uh, monies, even though, you know, I pay my wife out and she gets money to pay for my campaign ads and uh, she gets paid a lot of money to do that. And my wife was involved with the college scandal that, of course, brought down a college and she made a lot of money off that and I have three houses. Bernie Sanders is a perfect example exactly of why the government shouldn't be trusted to run any of this stuff. Because once you get into government, it's not like these people are suddenly going to be dropped down, their salaries are eliminated, and they're put on par with the common man. No, none of that shit's happening. Bernie Sanders isn't taking a pay cut. Bernie Sanders is going to take that pay raise. He's going to go on and to, uh, to rule over this, this alleged empire of equality. But it's still going to be doling out to all of these healthcare companies that are going to benefit from uh, from you know the allocation of more monies to that. It's going to benefit from uh, the the authorization of nationalization of different measures in in regards to like the pharmaceutical industry, for instance. Elizabeth Warren talked about rolling out American-made pharmaceuticals made by the government. I'm sure Bernie Sanders look at that. What if he's going to nationalize X, Y, and Z plants, turn them into pharmaceutical manufacturers? When you try to get in this socialized manner of running things, inevitably, it leads to the government trying to get more and more power as far as controlling the means of production. It inevitably goes to that. Venezuela is another perfect example in recent history. They ran in there. They said, oh, they're going to promise this, this, and that, right? Turns out you can't do that. You run out of money. Well, you run out of other people's money specifically. And then you look to the highest making, you know, highest uh, income generating industries. And you say, okay, nationalized. Venezuela, that was their oil industry. So what they do, go in there. They kick out the private companies. They take over the, uh, the oil rigs. They take over the refining stations. Things are great for two years, right? Until 
all the people that know how to do those things get out of there until things start to break down, until you need new generations of uh, thinking minds that understand how to adapt with changing technologies, until you have machinery that is no longer working at capacity, and you don't have people that know how to fix it properly, so it breaks down, which is exactly what happened, by the way. All of their refineries tended to break down. They didn't have the people to come in and fix them. So you have no new blood. You have the people that existed in there trying to escape now that it's all collapsed on itself. And now you had an industry that was thriving turn into a complete shit show. And meanwhile, your economy relies on it. So now what's your economy going to do? Oh, that's right. Collapse on itself. And then you have to inflate your currency to something like 10,000 to one, which is also what happened in Venezuela. And never mind all the shortages that come into play because simply saying, well, a thing should only cost this much money and that's it. Like Bernie Sanders wanted to give away the cure for the coronavirus. He said if there was a cure, it should be free. Well, that's lovely, except it doesn't take into account the amount of time and money spent into researching it, the cost for getting it out there, the cost for uh, for providing that to people. So what, and also what's your incentive to design a coronavirus vaccine if it's just gonna be taken from you and given away? I mean, there's a cost to anything and the free market provides the cost and the solution for the, these things in the most effective manner. Again, to point at Venezuela, you had uh, Maduro go, you know what? The, the bread lines are crazy here. We can't have all these bread lines. People need to eat. So uh, you're not allowed to charge uh, any any farther than, you know, whatever it was, 20, what was it, Bolivar? I'm not sure what their currency is called over there. Whatever the currency is. You can only charge, you know, 20 of these things per loaf of bread. Problem is that mandatory uh, and arbitrary set rate that he's decided on well, that doesn't reflect the economic situations. It doesn't co- reflect the cost of flour. It doesn't cost uh, the, fr- the the cost of labor, the cost of, you know, any of these things that go into actually creating the product. So he set that low cost. People came in, bought all the bread up. Now you can't have any bread because you can't afford to make it at the cost that it requires. And so people started charging a higher price and he arrested them. <laughs> so now you have no bakers because they've all been thrown in jail and you have no bread. Problem solved. Thanks, socialism. But Bernie Sanders, again, seems to think that he's got the magic solution, that it's never been tried before in its real form and that he's the one to unlock it. You know, we know that people corrupted. We know that they these things always collapse into, into social classes, wherein the elites that he hates so much have even more consolidation of power under a socialistic system than they do under a capitalism or free market system. I mean, if anything, a free market system and the elites having more power it relies solely on the government to provide them with that power through cronyism, through regulation, uh, through laws written in which ways to, to benefit them and harm the competition. These are things that are exacerbated by government, but yet are still vastly better in a capitalistic system as opposed to socialism. And just the gall of Bernie Sanders to hear this woman from Russia talk about her experiences. And like people from all of these Russian bloc have the most atrocious, horrible stories about the way in which life was lived there uh, under socialism or under communism, I should say. The people that have escaped from Venezuela have horrible stories to tell about the socialism that was in Venezuela during their time there. For Bernie Sanders to look this girl in the face and then start to lecture her about what is or is not real socialism or what is or is not the benefit of incorporating a system which, when it began, everybody thought would be the best egalitarian. They always start the same way, don't they? They always start with sugar plums and dancing parties and, and everybody gets a share of the uh, of the hay bale and a bite out of the apple, whatever 
whatever your, your communist harvest festival might be, they always end the same way, which is in vast poverty, which is an even more inequality between the haves and have-nots, the people running the government and the people that are slaving away and having their rights, their property, and everything else stripped away from them. It inevitably ends in the same result every single time. But Bernie Sanders is going to look this girl in the eyes and tell her that she's wrong and that somehow his way is going to be different. Absolutely amazing. Now, I have updated myself on Super Tuesday after, uh, man, my baby's been a real pain in the ass today. I'll tell you that much. She is just, will not take naps and just whining all the time. But I was able to check my phone during my little hiatus and it looks like Biden has consolidated even more of a lead. It looks like Michigan is going to Biden as is Missouri and uh, Missouri, Missouri. And uh, what was the other one? I think Mississippi. And now Biden is uh, is closed in on those. Iowa is still up for grabs, but it looks like that probably is still going to go to Joe Biden. The one that looks like it might go possibly to Bernie Sanders is Washington. Uh, I can't see North Dakota going Bernie Sanders. I just can't possibly see that. Uh, but Washington state probably will lean towards Bernie. But even that, oh, he Bernie really carried that prominently back in the Hillary Clinton days. But even now, Joe Biden still seems pretty close. Like the polling results I saw before were within a few percentage points. That's not going to close until late, though, obviously, as a West Coast state. So we shall see. But Bernie Sanders Clearly not doing himself any favors. I think people are starting to see through the nonsense, even, even though it's shocking that a doddering, uh, child, sniff-snort-humping, old, bloody-eyed, I mean, honestly, he's a senile lunatic with the only claim to fame that he has being some sort of that he was standing next to Barack Obama. This man still has more support than Bernie Sanders. And I really saw it going the other way. And honestly, I don't think that Biden has a better shot at beating Trump. Um, I think that Trump's going to expose him badly and make him look like a complete fool and a buffoon on stage. But then again, that might not matter. Maybe I'm wrong. And, and you know, now that the pivot away from socialism has taken place, at least in a little way, that will allow Biden, if he consolidates this win, that will allow Biden to change his messaging to get away from some of the more socialistic leaning promises that he has trotted out there, even though they were much more uh, reserved than his, you know, the Elizabeth Warrens on stage and the Bernie Sanders is maybe this will allow him to revert his messaging when he actually gets through and, and starts to battle with Trump to try to go back towards a more centrist position that will appeal to more Americans who are anti-Trump, but were more anti-socialism and anti-woke politics. But I don't know, you know, with Sanders out of the race, maybe, Maybe Biden will go farther left to try to win those people over because they were Bernie or bust. And maybe he'll feel that he has to lean into that, which is just going to cost him the election full stop uh, before he even tries to get on stage and, and match wits and match barbs with Trump, which he's just not equipped to do in any way. Uh, but it'll be funny as fuck to watch. I was excited to see Bernie Sanders and Trump just because of the laughs and a Biden Trump will have just as many laughs, if not some larfs with an R in there. All right, that's going to wrap up this episode, guys. You're lucky. I was going to go even shorter because uh, <laughs> fucking dealing with baby shit, man. Ay, ay, ay. It's, it's, uh, it's frazzled my brain. But hopefully this episode made sense and you enjoyed it. So 
Uh, at the end of the show, guys, I want to remind you, we've got our Lions of Liberty Patreon. You can join, support the show, and get all our bonus content for as little as $5 a month. However, we have different levels. I mentioned our $15 level, uh, which is where you get Howie's news links sent through, which are awesome. That's where I get all my news for this show and also uh, just gives me an incredible I mean, the, the breadth of news links that he sends through daily is astonishing. Um, again, this is back, based upon his in, Army intelligence background and how he pulls all these links. It just boggles my mind. But gives you a good left-right balance, libertarian sources, lefty sources, righty sources, zero hedge, you know, kind of pulls from everywhere. So great breakdown. That's our $15 level. 25 you get to be on our Mufasa calls. we got a lot of people getting on that. That's always fun where you get to give us direct feedback. Got our $50 level. You get to be involved, actually pick some topics on the show and be on some of these shows. We're going to be doing a look at a libertarian solution to homelessness for our man, Davey Martinez. Uh, I think that's going to be coming up at the end of this month. A little uh, ELL libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor roundtable discussion on that. Should be interesting. And you can even get in higher. So check out the page for all of the perks. We're trying to keep our our momentum rolling and uh, really put together like a, an awesome package of coverage over at the Libertarian National Convention, which we are all going to. So check it out, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Share the show, give a review, and uh, lugs and lugs and kisses, lug nuts and bolts to all of you. So from me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty, and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged into Liberty. <laughs>